Hello, my name is Austin, and welcome to Return to the Movies. Now today, we're going to be talking about a movie series that's all about how family... family. But first, here's today's joke. What did the one math book say to the other? Man, I've got a lot of problems. And that is also the case with some of these movies. In the good way, I mean. These movies run through the normal, usual issue. Problems. Problems like with the main antagonist. Versus the protagonist. But in the end, it's all about family. And I'm not talking about how Fast and the Furious. No, I'm talking about something more archaic, but I'm talking about Back to the Future. As many of you know, Back to the Future is a very popular science fiction film back in the 1987, sorry, 1985. I've starring Michael J. Fox as the teenager main star, or Marty McFly. I, with the help, along with his co-star, are Christopher Lloyd, who portrayed his Marty's friend, Dr. Emmett Doc Browns. And together, they get into the his car time machine, in which leads to, well, time travel. But I'm going to get into more of that later. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about the first movie. But first, here's something I know you guys might enjoy. This is Back in Time by Hugh... Lewis and the news.
Welcome back to Return to the Mo- Movies, I'm Austin J. Jones, and now we're going to be reviewing Back to the Future. Back to the Future is based on, is a ni- 1985 movie that's set in, well, 1985, where, where Michael J. Fox, who plays the teenager Marty McFly, accidentally time travels back to 1955, meaning his future parents and becoming his mom's romantic love interest. Yeah, this quickly went from to So now he has has to meet team up with at this pat as friend as let me rephrase that. Now he needs to team up with the past version of his friend, Doctor Emmett Emmett Doc Brown, um, portrayed by Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd, an eccentric scientist. Is an inventor of the time-traveling DeLorean car, who helps Marty repair history and return to 1985. Now, as you can tell, um, well, that sounds a bit of a lot. But, and the funny thing is, Marty McFly is one of probably the best main characters you haven't have seen. And he's this ordinary guy who, who wants to make something of himself. And he's also an eccentric cool person too. Oh, he, he plays the guitar, he has a nice girlfriend, gets constantly in, in trouble by his teachers. And he'll, but the thing is, uh, he was unintent, he was also apparently the inspiration for Morty Smith. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna let that sink in for a moment. Morty Smith. Yes. I could see why I, he was being an inspiration for Morty. Yeah, you just take all the cool thing, things that make Morty a likable character, reverse it, and turn him into Morty. Morty is by far, is like I said, the opposite of Marty. Marty, instead of Marty, instead of being cool, eccentric, Intrigued and fun to be around. Morty is a whiny spaz who you loses his grandpa on some vengeance and to punch out his V card. Alright, does that sound like Marty to you? No? Oh, okay. Hey, I'm glad we're on the same page. What's next? You're gonna tell me that and Rick was actually inspired by Doc. Oh, come on! Alright. Yep, apparently in, in Dr. Emmett Brown was apparently the inspiration for Rick and like I think they did it with Morty they just took all the best things from Doc and flipped it around and turned him into Rick a drunk alcoholic scientist who's basically as powerful as well a god uh, who, who basically doesn't give a single flying crap but yeah I'm as if you're wondering what I'm doing right now, I'm looking at a side-by-side comparison of Doc and Marty with Rick and Morty. I'm I'm at a loss for words. Right. Anywho, back to the I digress. The movie itself is fairly fun, fair, fairly basically a good time for any one or person person who's ever seen this movie. Marty, he tries to get his parent 
is to hook up so that he and his family like, can still exist in the future. Her. Hence, adding Doc, the past version of his friend, Doc. Okay. And man, do they get into some um, fun adventures in the past. Especially with them running into the past version and of his father's bully, Biff Tannen, the main antagonist. Yes. He's portrayed as a, a towering, violent, aggressive, sadistic, sinister bully who obtains what he wants by imitating others into doing his work for him, or by cheating. He and his family members are shown to misuse idioms in a way that makes them appear stupid, pathetic, despite their intentions, or insult, or to scare. And, of course, Biff's favorite ever insult, butthead. I'm not kidding. Okay. The past version of Biff cannot tell an insult to save his life. Life. This. Let me present you with an example. The example is, have a nice trip. See you next fill in the blank. You would usually say, hey, have a nice fall. But no. Biff says, have a nice winter. Here's another example. Simple. Oh, make like a tree and get out of here. 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 <laughs> it's, it's leave. Make like a tree and leave, you idiot. He is a pretty good main antagonist, all, all things considered. It makes it so refreshing, so satisfying to see him get his comeuppance near the end of the film. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you guys, that was probably my favorite part. And of course, of course there's also Marty's father, George McFly. However, as compared to Marty, who was a social butterfly, George, on the other hand, didn't have as many friends when he was more his son's age. And you could tell that well, that there was a compare and contrast and asking right there. But all in all, you don't care. You're happy to see George, orange played by Christopher Glover, or, or finally get out of his shell and make meet new people, especially in considering <clears throat> Lorraine, played by Lee Thompson, yeah, I'm not kidding, that's her actual name, and, and finally hook up, especially considering I mean, at the start of the film, George was basically a peeping Tom, I just don't know how to react to that, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm probably going to puke. Oh, in my mouth a little bit. It's gone. Anywho, who, even though oh, Marty did manage to get his parents to hook up and save his family in future, he had unknowingly created a temporal paradox. I'm pretty sure that's why some people hate time travel. Well, even if you do the right thing, you somehow still manage to screw it up. I don't even know how. How time travel would even exist in modern, modern day, but as far as I'm concerned, the bet I stay the farther away I stay from 
away from it, the better my chances of still being here, still being born, and not screwing with my family's love life. I'm gonna take a quick break here, here, but first, here's one song I'm pretty sure you guys might like. This is The Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News.
Welcome back to Return to the Movies. I'm Austin J. Jones, your favorite host. Now, we're going to be talking about Back to the Future Part 2. Now, this movie picks up where the last one went, left off, showing Doc Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd, taking a Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, and his high school sweetheart and future wife, Jennifer Parker, played by Elizabeth Shue, who went to 2015 to prevent Marty's son from sabotaging the McFly family's future. While that's going on, on their arch-nemesis Biff Tannen steals the time machine to alter history for his own benefit. And so now Marty McFly and his best friend Doc need to go back in time to restore the history. What's funny about this movie is that it shows a bright depiction of what 2015 in, in where 1989 was concerned was going to be the future. Flying cars everywhere, perfected fuel that doesn't require gas, as hoverboards, and the occasional holographic future every now and again. But surprise, surprise, none of that happened. Because we don't think that. We can think the ideas, but we don't take action upon it. What's the... Another thing is that the movie also did a pretty good job of almost predicting the future. I'm not kidding you. They predicted that at the Cubs would win the World Series against Miami. But, as many of you know, that didn't happen. They were close, though. They were this close. I was almost rooting for that prediction to come true myself, if I'm being asked. Asked. And the funny thing is, this movie, as well as the sequel that came after it, is also was originally supposed to be one movie altogether. I'm not kidding. And, and you want to know how I know this? The movie sort of gives out this a message, and you could tell that it was all meant to be just one film. But because it was so long, they had to strip, they had to divide it into two separate films. Given that the movie will probably could have been two hours long, and we could have, res- and given today that the way things are now, uh, we usually just watch the film, um, even if it is two hours long. We don't care about it. That's the practical norm for movie watchers these days. But back then, movies stretching to two hours could have been for the audiences. It would have been like, you know what? No way, I'm not sitting through a movie that's going to last for two hours straight. I'm out. Gone. Peace. And that's a a bit of a shame. But it did give us some great film. Eat your film. No joke. Uh, The the movie was considered to be the third highest grossing film um, of 1989. The reception, while it was first released... It received mixed mixed reviews from critics, but it did grow was over three hundred thirty six million worldwide in its initial run. But as time time went on, the reception of the film improved, as the performances, the story, the direction, the cinematography, musical score, or and future her prediction, and have been singled out for praise. Some critics have even noted it's one. Of Semekis' best films. 
as well as one of the best sequels of all time, and I can definitely see it. It had groundbreaking project for visual effect from the visual effects studio Industrial Light and Magic (ILM) in addition to digital compensation. ILM used visual glide motion control on camera systems, and which allowed an actor to portray multiple characters simultaneously on screen without sacrificing camera movement, and it did a pretty good job. And the movie also does a great job of showing the dangers of time travel, more so than in the original. In the original, we saw what was slowly happening to Marty as he was fading out from existence, but before it could end, it showed a different... But before that happened, and Marty managed to save himself and his family. Here, we see what happened happens when someone uses time travel for their own personal gain, aka Biff. On the future, he he was a nobody. I mean, he just waxing in car. Ours first grandson, Griff. Oh, and that's another thing. Uh, the movie also introduces is another character, Griff Tannen. <laughs> Griff Biff. What, don't they have any original name? And what's next? Next, he suddenly has a, a father that was a gangster named Kid Tan or a great ancestor named Beauregard? <laughs> Hang on, I gotta take this. Yep. Ah. They did? In a direct sequel on a video game? Huh. Who knew? So yeah, apparently... Apparently, there was a video game that launched that sort of introduced more tan of the Tanner family. God, uh, do they? He's, what, do these people just breed like rabbits now? Uh, anywho, the movie also does a very good job. As I stated before, it does a very good job of showing the dangers of time travel. How when Biff used, stole the time travel, uh, having DeLorean to alter history for his own benefit by... He, well, getting a sports almanac that basically introduce shows the outcomes of every sport arts section until the end of the century. And man, oh man, did he he did some something to that had almanac, all right, right to history altogether. He used it. He won so much money. Turned himself up into a corrupt, basically a crime. I'm Lord, who owns a casino. Oh, he basically killed little Marty's father, and and base and married his own mother. Her and man, it really showed us how the dangers of time travel and why you can't take it for granted. So much so, oh, that Doc and Marty had to go back back to the event and of the first film. Um, the sh- and the. Fix all the mess that Biff have screwed up. It was insane. And we also did get some good and funny scenes, scenes from our favorite characters every now and again. And showing Doc and his past self interacting while trying not to corrupt the time stream altogether. And it also did end on a good cliffhanger. One making us want more. And it also showed us a preview of what was to happen next. Next.
next to the third film. It was, I can definitely see how this was one of the best films created by Zemeckis. And it's definitely one of the best sequels of all time. I definitely recommend it for those who haven't seen it. But if you do want to get a hole on the on the story altogether, I'd recommend and watching the first one, then and going on on to part two. <clears throat> Another interesting fact is that this film was also filmed back to back with its sequel, Part Three. He after two years were spent and building the set and writing the scripts. Another thing. Uh, the original act- actress for her Jennifer Parker was Parker Claudia Wells wasn't available for the shooting of this film due to <laughs> personal problems, so the role had to be recast with Elizabeth Shue, who, although Wells would reprise the role of Jennifer in the game, aim as a punk rock version. <laughs> And, oh yeah, rock and roll, people. People. Her care. Consequentially, the opening scene of Back to the Future had to be reshot, which was the ending scene of the first film, had to be reshot with Shu taking Wells' place, rather than the usual from the back, from the original. It also showed us how as the future of the McFly family. Jennifer and Marnie are married, married and have two kids. It's Marlene and Marty Jr. Jr. Both. Which Marty Jr. is portrayed by Michael J. Fox again. Oh, yeah. Spitting image. I guess that's all. All the dad can hope for her son. Well, fortunately for my dad, I got have most of my mom's genes in me. And that's somewhat flattering. I mean, given... I mean, what... That is somewhat flattering given who I am. And I am proud of that. And as contrast to his father, Marty Jr. will... He's kind of pathetic. He runs away from a fight while... Oh, his dad had stands his ground. Oh, not wanting to be called chicken. Again, it's an again another message from message from the same movie, just stretched out into two different ones. And it's another message that I will get into later with part three. It's definitely something I would recommend for her families who want to have a good time. I'm who haven't seen the original films, but it's definitely a good way to. You can definitely see how this got into the best sequels of all time category. Welcome back to Return to the Movies. I'm Austin J. Jones, your fabulous host here on Anchor, and now we're going to be talking about Back to the Future Part 3. <laughs> I know, you... Oh, shocker, right? Uh, the film starts off immediately where Part 2 ended, with Marty stranded in the past, as in 1955. But, with the assistance of it, his friend, Pat... Let me start over. 
with the assistance of Doc, Huck's past self, Huff, he managed to find a way back home. But, but he discovers that at his Doc, who was trapped in 1885 due to the events of the last film, was killed by Buford Mad Dog Tan. Okay, is it just me or is basically is the Tan family basically he's Satan personified? I mean. Seriously, it's like every one of these people will decide to wake up with a foul wound and decide to take it out, out on, on Marty's family, Marty, his dad, and, and now Doc. It's like, what did these people do wrong? What? What do you want, Biff? What do you want, Griff? Or what do you want, Mad Dog? Oh, wait, he doesn't like me call that? Well, I don't care. Here, I'm going to call him Mad Dog because... I'm tired of referencing Biff or Griff. Let Biff or Buford. Buford. No wonder Biff doesn't like his name. And he puts his grandson through it. So I'm just going to call him Mad Dog. Anywho. Who? Marty goes back to save Doc. I can get them both home to 1985. But. Things get a little bit complicated when Doc falls in love with Clara Clayton, played by Marty Stern Steenbergen. I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce these words or words or names for crap. This movie does finish up a saga that's been built only up up to who since the first film, the destruction of the time machine, which let's face facts. That thing should have been destroyed since, like, day one. Um, with all the complicated problems that gave Marty you know, when he was stuck like, in 1955, the first time around. But it also does give us a good a way to explore the Old West. To see things from, from when before or things got polluted or when and the world was still young. It also does a very good job at showing us Marty's family and where... They originally came from. For example, Seamus McFly. Seamus McFly I, was an Irish and his wife are Irish immigrants and the paternal great grandparents to Marty McFly. I, he befriends them. While Maggie doesn't trust the strange young man, Seamus has a familiar feeling about him and believes that helping him. And it's the right thing to do. Oh, you you get more back, background to the McFly family, family this way, and it's hard, hard not to be sucked in. And, and it's also nice to that they give Doc Hunk a love interest. So I'm probably gonna bring up something that I've probably referenced in the first film. Why was Doc the inspiration for Rick? Rick is a selfish, no good, and son of a gun. He he sells out his own family to do what he to get what he needs, and it's for his own selfish needs. I mean, here's an example. In one episode of Rick and Morty, he turns himself into the cops, not because he believes he's that he he's that his family will be better off with him him in prison. No, so he can find a way to take down the government and get rid of his son-in-law so that he can be the de facto patriarch of his family. 
Does that sound like something Doc would do? No, it's not. And how this is even a card is amazing. And it drives me into near insanity. But I digress. He'll also show us the moral of the entire series altogether. That time travel is a dangerous mess. And we've seen that in the previous two films. But it also shows us that the future is never written in stone. The future is yours, ours, anyone's. And it's up to us to write it. It's a story, a book that needs to be written to its perfect conclusion. And only we can do that. So, oh, it doesn't matter what others say. Hey, that's another thing. That, another moral to the film. You shouldn't care what other people think of you. For example, Marty has a huge problem of being called a coward. He doesn't like being called a chicken or yellow. And as a result, he gets into a showdown to a mad dog with him and mad dog at the climax of the film. It was only here he realizes this, and I'm quoting him on this one, he's a, a humongous a-hole. It doesn't matter what he or anyone else thinks of him. He knows who he is. And it shouldn't get him all riled up. Up when someone calls him yellow or a chicken. Which is another good message that this movie brings. And it's also nice to show Clara Clayton. A love interest for Doc Brown. Before, we only had... We could only rely... I on Jennifer Parker. Her as Mark. as the only love interest in the film. But now, with Clara... Her, we get... It's something that no scientist has before, or I don't think has ever felt. Love. Love is a cruel and and misguided mistress, let me tell you. Uh, it makes people do irrational things. Hence why Doc never fell in love. Uh, but Marty, he, he understands this. He knows that love isn't something that comes from the brain. It comes from the heart. Right, which is why Doc had a hard time. I'm at first believing in love at first sight. Then it gets a little bit more complicated. And when he's all down in the dumps near the end of the film, um, when they basically broke up. Um, so much so that he basically he dr- got himself drunk, passed out. And this dude can't hold his liquor. Right, let me tell you. Yeah. He only took one and he was already knocked out. Not just like that. I mean, that's something... And you, let me tell you, that's something you never seen in the history of ever, ever. And let me tell you. But the movie does... And it also does show us a good... And... And stuff. Like uh, the locomotive, which was basically the replacement and to the time-traveling DeLorean when it was destroyed. Right. Equipped with a flux capacitor or to time travel anywhere. And you could tell on that he, that Doc and and Clara had, had a good life considering they had children, which is very nice and heartwarming, right? To show oh, that even a man of science can believe in love and and get his fam get a family in the process. I I couldn't tell you how much of a heartwarming ending and a good message that the, this film 
um, went out on, that this series went out on. So much so, um, everyone loved these three films. It ended up becoming a, a, well, a franchise juggernaut. So much so they add and a video, a few video games, like I said, and with, and in the previous segment, and a TV show. Oh, even a Universal ride that featured Christopher Lloyd himself. Oh, and, and, well, and the person who played, and Wilson, the play, the man who played the Tan, basically all of the Tan family, Buford, Buford, Griff, and Biff. Well, young Biff, but you get the idea. I definitely recommend these films. To anyone who is a fan of sci-fi, the family, adventure, all that. Now we're gonna take a quick break here, and here now here's on the road again. Considering that these films do cons- contain travel, and people do travel a lot, but not in the way you'd think. Welcome back to Return to the Movies, and that's going to be it for this episode. And as we note, I'm glad you all could listen in on to this one. 
and but don't, don't wait. The trilogy and reviews are just as getting started. For our next week is Adventure Week, and I'm going to be reviewing another set of movies. movies. And here's a few hints. It has a famous archaeologist with a whip and a fedora, and he hates snakes. If you don't know who that is, then I just can't. I then you're basically uncultured, is what I'm, I'm saying. And in the terms of movies, I'm pretty sure you're all cultured, and in other things. But in terms of movies, and if you don't know who I'm talking about, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, that's it for this this episode. I'm Austin J. Jones, and remember, the future is your story. You decide. You write and the ending. And make it a good one. Till then.